0: Starring tonight, Steve Forrest, Dina Merrill,
1: and Fernando Lamas. Hello there and welcome to episode 95 of the Night Gary podcast. My name's Chris Brown. Today we're going to discuss Hatred Unto Death, originally broadcast on May 27th, 1973. It's a teleplay by Helstead Wells, based on a short story by Milton Gager directed by gerald perry Finneman and it is the first story from episode 15 of season three um it is the last episode of night gallery that was broadcast um so let's let rod sterling introduce us good evening For the
0: benefit of those of you who are perhaps still uninitiated into this particular arm of art, this is a special display. Now, anyone can show you a Rembrandt, or a Picasso, or a Jackson Pollock, but uh, we dig much deeper with our paintings, frequently six feet underground, as is the case with this painting. It's called Hatred Under Death. And it makes comment on the fact that there are certain anthropologists and psychologists who hold the conviction that blood memories are passed along in the genes. You scratch the surface of the 20th century man, and you uncover a Neanderthal. Now, if we're to accept this theory, it suggests a kind of unending reincarnation. But if man has a Mr. Hyde perpetually struggling deep within him, what lies beneath the surface of the lower beasts? We offer neither a postulate nor a promise. We simply suggest that you watch and listen. This is the Night Gallery.
1: We're in Kenya, but it's a Kenya that looks suspiciously like the back lot of, un- of Universal Studios. Um, we have two anthropologists, Ruth and Grant Wilson, a married couple. Um, they are returning to camp when some natives um, grab their attention. An ape has been captured in a lion trap, and when they go and see them, the ape acts insanely, crazily, angrily towards Grant, who's played by Steve Forrest, but is kind of okay with, uh, Ruth, who's played by Dina Merrill, and our ape, for it is a man in a suit, is played by George Barrows, There's something going on here. It's an unusual uh, trinity, I suppose you could say. Ruth feels protective of the ape, but the ape and Grant hate each other, ingrained, from sight. The second they see each other, they basically want each other dead for very little reason, it appears. Grant captures the ape and intends to take it back to America. Um, Ruth opposes this, but basically his thought process is that he wants to find out what's making this ape hate him so much, and why does he feel the same. But also in the back of his head, it appears that he really just want him destroyed.
0: Grant, I beg you, let him go!
1: No, I need the money.
0: You don't need the money! $4,000? $4, $4,000 would give us time to write our book. You mean you'd sell him to a zoo? Darling, that's against everything we stand for! Look, you you don't have to do this. I, I beg you put the ropes in free air. You. Shut up. This godly creature. You torture him by by locking him up in a zoo. Not a zoo. It's the Neurological Institute. Ramirez would like him. He's never had a gorilla there before. You put microelectrodes in his head. There's no telling what you might find out. Maybe why he hates me so.
1: Maybe why I hate him. So we're now in America. And our gorilla has a name, Engie. Um, Grant is pretty much adamant he wants uh, a man called Dr. Ramirez, who's Fernando Llamas, Lam- uh, to basically commit animal testing on the on the creature, get into its brain and, and muck about. Meanwhile... Ruth seems to be bonding considerably with the animal Um talking to him, telling stories, a story of, uh, in one place, um, two apes who fight for the love of a female gorilla and how one trap, one pale one traps the dark one in a pit and stones him to death. And this story upsets the animal and, um, Ruth rather foolishly, uh, manages to let them escape.
0: He was... hairy and dark like you once a long time ago. You remember, Nye? You fought him. You fought him in the moonlight forest opening. From tree to tree. And why, Nye? For her, she was dark and fuzzy and beautiful. And you fought him for her and to be head of your tribe. But he, he conquered. He won the fight, and he won her. And he dug a pit. And he trapped you. And he stoned you to death. Me, boy. All right, come on.
1: Ruth phones Grant to let him know, but all he can hear, all Grant can hear, is screams. So he grabs his gun, and uh, heads out to try and capture the animal. And what follows is a uh, a game of cat and mouse between man and gorilla, as they they hunt, they stalk each other through the this uh, this testing lab, which looks suspiciously like the prop room at university. and. Finally, he fires three bullets into the ape's chest, uh, and the ape collapses. But he wins, he's won, he starts to walk away. Engie, in his last gasp, grabs hold of the man, lifts him high, and impales him on some horns. And as a victor, he then collapses to the floor, content that he's c- got his kill, but also then dies. Basically, there are huge problems with this episode, um, to the point that, you know, it, it, it it's a bit of a joke. Done on an incredibly low budget with very little money. the um to do, to do any kind of story of a gorilla doing these kind of things, you need to be very, very conscious and very aware of the problems that might be there. And in this case, the problems almost certainly would be... Uh, Making a gorilla look like a real person rather than a man in a suit, and um, in, in in this case it doesn't happen. It, it looks like well, the man who plays it is George Burrows, who is a stunt worker, and he has like a fright wig on, and it it looks plastic. It's a very poor. It's a kind of suit you know, a, you know, you could get for like a Kissagram would have, in truth, and it's it frustrating in the maximum, and I don't even know. Even if you know with a lot of money, I think this script would be incredibly difficult to carry out. This idea of animus, you know, animosity in the blood, almost that you know from a previous life, you can do this showdown is is reasonable, but it's poorly handled. Halston Wells, you have to say, did write *The Sins of the Father*, so he was a he's a talented writer, but he's unable to translate that this concept from the original story into something that is uh is believable and also not very corny i mean it is incredibly corny um there's and also there are incredible problems on the on the set of the story as well it was summer uh Fineman says i had trouble on that show. I should have had two guys in gorilla suits because it was about 100 degrees in on the back loft that summer and this guy who had the gorilla suit could only work for about five minutes at a time and then he would practically collapse. I had to have three or four camera shooting every time to cover myself wide, medium, close. And I didn't like to do that because I don't believe in shooting a long shot and then going in for a close-up on the same angle. I think that's terrible directing, but I had to do it to get to get through the show. Um, the problem that... Those problems particularly with, you know, something that's so heavily involved in the gorilla suit uh, basically means that they had to shoot very quickly in the... Um, the it's meant to be the warehouse of a museum, but uh, it, it is the prop room, it's blatantly the prop room. And, um, you know, he... he They really struggled to, to get any kind of action or direction or make it look good. Um, I think it doesn't, I mean, you know, would it matter, really, if he'd had all the time in the world to shoot it? Would it be any better? I don't know. Um, Let's go through the problems with it then, first off. Um, The gorilla is terrible. The script is clunky at best the concept but that's mainly due to the concept which is weak in the first place. The acting is a struggle but again you you know you're talking about this life and death battle against a gorilla that's obviously a man in a suit so that's not going to help. The direction's okay considering the amount of trouble he was having I I feel but in the end the the issues are insurmountable and in truth it should never have got past script stage it probably shouldn't have even got past the point of death Write this story. In truth, let's do this tale. Um, you know, I mean, the Apes suit is owned by the stuntman, which is unbelievable, really. Um, and another point: Lennon Nimoy originally got asked to direct this story. Um, before it went to Finnerman. Uh would he have done a better job? I don't think so. I think he would have struggled himself. Um, but he turned it down because he had a uh, he was had a show to do, uh, a stage show to do. Uh, Elsewhere, Um, it's it's a good effort from what from Fineman's point of view, but I mean, it, it is absolutely staggering that it got made. And at this stage, it's so creaky and so poor. I mean, it is almost certainly one of the worst Night Gallery episodes, but it probably transcends that in truth to being, you know, a pretty. Poor idea for a television episode of any kind. Um, I mean, those kind of stories kind of work, can sometimes work well because they're so unusual in in a book format or a short story format. But here, it really falls apart. I feel.
0: Now, why should he feel that
1: way about me? Right. Uh, next week, we deal with the other half of this episode, and it's only really a very short story. It's how to cure a common vampire. If you want to get a hold of me, please do. My Twitter is at orange underscore monkey. Or you can go to our website, network.com. There there's links to our Facebook and our Twitter. There's all the pieces that we put up. Or you can email me at chris at the network.com. Um, next week is How to Cure the Common Vampire. So until then, take care and I will speak to you soon. Goodbye.